good to be in the house of the Lord. It really is. It's good to see all that he's doing. It's good. I brag about this place and about you all the time. And as great as all the things internally, as you look, you know, the lights, the paint, the walls, the banners, the branding, the landscaping, everything's beautiful. But what excites me most is we could have a beautiful building, beautiful landscaping, and nobody here. And that would just be really dumb. And so we have people, quality people, great people, and you, you are what excites me most about Radiant Life Church. You are Radiant Life Church. And we're called to be a radiant church without spot or wrinkle, cleansed by the word of God, holy, set apart for his purposes. And so today, as we're continuing on this series, I will be preaching today, God willing, um, with all the strength that he gives me. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness. Um, I've tried to keep my distance. I don't feel like I'm contagious. Um, I've been drinking a lot of water. I've been popping pills. I've been praying. I've been resting. I've been staying away from you just in case, you know, and I'm not offended if you don't want to get close to me, but I I think I'm out of the woods. But it's going to take all that I have to give you this message today in a way that I want to give it to you. And so I'm going to give it my best, and then I'm going to leave shortly after the service, and I'm going to go home and crash because there's going to be nothing left. All right? I'm going to give it all to you. Are you ready for it? Next week, Pastor Gordon will be here. He'll be continuing on this series of the Disciplines. I'll be in New York (coughs) driving a truck, another truck across country. Um, (coughs) This is trip number five. I mean, people have five Super Bowl rings. I've done it four times. I've got to have five rings. I've got to do it five times. It's a personal thing for me. And I'm going to wrap up some business in New York, getting ready to sell my house in New York. I'm getting ready to go all in, all in San Diego. So here we go. The title of this message is The King who didn't act like a king. The king who didn't act like a king. Oh, if I could just be king for a day, what would that day look like? What would I put into place? What what would I make happen? Wouldn't it be fun to just be king for a day? My wife is one of five girls. Her dad gets to be king every day. And it's, you know, when I'm around, it's a little obnoxious. You know, I'm like, why can't I be king for just a day? It's like, no, he's my dad. As long as he's alive, he's king. King for a day. And so the focus today is the king who didn't act like a king, submission and simplicity to disciplines that need to be active in our lives as believers. Simplicity and submission. You see, no one has ever modeled these two disciplines submission and simplicity, better than the person of Jesus Christ. He shows us what it looks like. These are realities in the lives of subjects living within a kingdom. Have you heard of Kanye West? Anybody heard of Kanye West? Yeah. I mean, Kanye West, kind of a king in pop culture, recently came out with this album called Jesus is King. Now, whether you like Kanye or not, all right, and it's mixed, or the Kardashians and that whole gang, whether you like them or not, I mean, he's doing a pretty cool thing in our culture today. 
I mean, I, I believe God has got a hold of him. He's a work in progress. I'm not here throwing stones. I, you know, again, he, he gets it and he understands who the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords is. And his name is Jesus. And that's why he has come out with a new album called Jesus is King. There's a big movement going on. He has a church. He has lots of people who might not otherwise be, ever step inside of a church that are coming because of the influence that he has had on this culture. <coughs> Think of other people. There have been several kings in the history of our world. We've given this title to celebrities. We've given this title to athletes. We've given this title to musicians. Elvis. The king. We've, and so on and so forth. So when you think of a king, what are some of the things that come into your mind as you're thinking about a king today? Just spit it out. Just throw it out there to me. It's going to be a little interactive today. You can talk. Talk back. When you think of a king, what do you think? What do you think of? Entitlement? Power? Purple? Authority? Castles? This is you. This, what do you think of when you think of a king? Dominating? Honor? Influence? Good, good. Big? Big? Yeah. Over here, I heard something. What's that? Medieval times, okay. Authoritarian rule. What'd you say, Paul? Tyranny. Crown? Okay. These are good. You guys, huh? Wealth, yep. Horses. Venezuela, all the king's men, <clears throat> all the king's horse. These are great answers. I mean, kings, kings are powerful. <clears throat> kings have authority, dominion. Kings have extraordinary lives. Kings live in palaces. Some of the things that you guys have said. Kings sleep in king-sized beds. You just said. California king, right? <laughs> Luke 9, 58, Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He didn't have a king-sized bed. Kings eat choice foods. Kings are served and waited on 24-7. <clears throat> Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give life as a ransom for many. Kind of weird, right? Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords, and yet he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve? I mean, is that what comes into your mind when you think of a king? Someone who wants to serve others? Kings don't ride donkeys. At least if I were king, I wouldn't be riding a donkey. I would find myself a stallion. I would find my, my horse would be the horse that you see on Braveheart. That horse that's just dripping with mud? I mean, that's a horse, right? In fact, I think I, I used to have quarter horses, and I think one of my first purchases of a horse was after I watched Braveheart. 
John 12, 24, Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it. As it's written, he sat on a donkey. King of kings, Lord of lords. Kings travel in style. They're escorted from place to place. Kings don't wash other people's feet. See John 13. Picture of Jesus with a towel and a basin washing his disciples' feet. Remember Peter? No, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. Should be the other way around. Not this king. This is a king. This is a king who didn't act like a king. Kings are careful and they're selective when associating with others. You know, Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our actions. Kings demand respect. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father. I've made that known to you. Jesus does not see us as subjects, but rather he sees us as sons and daughters, friends. He has not called us to submission or simplicity for his own good or because of his position. He knows what will bring us joy, peace, and purpose. He was mocked as a king, treated like a criminal. It says in Mark 15, 16-20, the soldiers, they took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters. They called out to the entire regiment. They dressed him in this purple robe. Purple. This purple robe. And they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. Then they saluted him and they taunted him. Hail, King of the Jews! They struck him on the head with a reed stick. They spit on him and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe, put on his Put, put, on, put his own clothes on him again, and then they led him away to be crucified. Every king lives by opposite standards and rules. They are not the ones exercising simplicity and submission. I want you to check out this video. The king who didn't act like a king. James 4, 7 through through 10 says, Submit yourselves. Submission. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn. Well, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. I want to talk to you this morning about coming under God's rule and God's reign in our lives. 
In the book of Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. We need to lose ourselves to find Him. Amen? Amen. Selena Gomez, (laughs) this is one of the songs of the new year that I've just, I like it. For whatever reason, it's just kind of catchy. I think it's cool. But really, the, the, if you don't know a whole lot about her, and I've shared this before, um, you know, there was a bad breakup with her and Justin Bieber, and G- Bieber was just such a big part of her world. Um, and she was such a big part of his world. And she, the, the gist of the song is really, I had to lose my, I had to lose, I had to lose you to love me. That was really the, the idea. I had to lose you to love me. And she talks about finding herself. But I read a scripture that says, I have to lose my life to find me. That's how I find me. That's how you find you. It's not by losing a relationship or losing a habit. Or, that's not how we find ourselves. We can only find who we are in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where we find out who we are. Ephesians 5.21 says that we need to be willing to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we have this submission that has to take place, being submissive to God, submitting ourselves to Him. That's why we read this verse in James, submit yourself to God, come close to God, submit yourself to Him. But we also need to submit ourselves in reverence for Christ to one another. There's another verse that talks about considering others better than ourselves. But we're very good to ourselves, and we think a lot about ourselves. We're so wrapped up in ourselves. And the thought or the idea of even losing ourselves is a crazy thought. But it's the only way that we find ourselves, because you're not going to find it anywhere else. You're only going to find out who you are in the person of Jesus Christ and what he thinks about you. And we're always a people, I think. We are a people who are always going after more, aren't we? We're always going after more in our lives. It's never enough. Got to have more. Got to have more. And we're talking about submission and simplicity. Keeping life simple, right? What is it? Kiss, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Keeping it simple. I mean, that's why this tiny house movement is just so big. I mean, people are just tired of having mortgages, tired of just having a lot of stuff, being owned by their, by their things. More stuff means more time, more, more that I have to manage, more that I have to take care of. I like my yard here in San Diego. It's this big. I don't like my yard in New York. It looks pretty, but it's two and a half acres. 
And I don't want to pay to have it. I don't want to take care of it. But the more we have in life, the more we have to manage. I want you to know that if you're taking notes, that there's more to life than position. Think about your position in society. Think about maybe, you know, and again, maybe it's lower class, maybe it's middle class, maybe it's upper class, or your position at your job. Maybe it's an entry-level job. Maybe you're still looking for a job. Or maybe it's a management position. Maybe it's a high-level executive. Think about position, and I want you to hear me say these words. There is more to life than position. We're thinking about this king who didn't act like a king. This king who didn't act like a king. I mean, that's one of the first questions out of our mouths when we meet people. What do you do? Philippians 2, 6 through 8. He didn't act like a king. King who didn't act like a king. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality, equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Another translation says that he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But rather, he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature, this king, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. We've talked about this as we've talked about this discipline of prayer and fasting and and the, the importance as we're fasting, the prayer and the confession and the humility and the faith. And here we see Jesus Christ again modeling for us humility by becoming obedient to death. Death on a cross. So we see this obedience, we see this submission A king who didn't act like a king. Submission to his father. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Mark 10, 17 through 31. Jesus started on his way and this man comes running up to him. He falls on his knees before him and he says, Good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one's good. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. You know the commandments. He says, teacher, all these commandments, I've kept all of these since I've been a child, since I've been a boy. Every single one of them. And Jesus looked at him, and it says in the scripture that he loved him. He looked at him, and he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then you can come and follow me. So short-sighted, as many of us are just so short All we can see is right here, the here and now. And I want us to know, I want us to be reminded today that there is something so much greater awaiting us 
This reward that's going to be given to you and to me, to us that follow, that stay true, that keep running the race that we've been called to run. But we're just so stuck. We're just so attached to the here and to the now. That's where we live. That's where we are. And that's where this guy was. He was wealthy. And Jesus just put his finger on something in his life that needed to change. And and nobody wants to be told what to do. He knew what had to be done. I mean, he, as he's even presenting these, these commandments that he's kept, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good person. But Jesus puts his finger on it and he says, if you want to be perfect, there's one thing lacking in your life. I want you to go. I want you to sell all, all that you have. I want you to give to the poor. And then you're going to follow me. Then you can come follow me and the treasure that awaits you. This is just monopoly. The treasure that awaits you. This is just fool's gold. The treasure that awaits you. And it says at this, verse 22, the man's face fell. Because Jesus had just put his finger on something that this man was not willing to let go of. And I think it's easy to read a story like this and to take it out of context and take it to mean that, well, you know, because I have this car or because I have this home or because I have these clothes or because I have these jewels or because I have this bank account, that I can't follow Christ because of all this stuff. And like, that's not cool. You know, Jesus doesn't have a problem with the car that you drive. And I've, pastors have taken it for far too long. And I'm just at the point where I'm just going to say, I'm going to drive whatever I want to drive. If I want to drive Mercedes, I'm going to drive... I drive Toyota because I love Toyota and because they endorse me. They give me a free vehicle if I... (laughs) You know, drive what you want to drive. Live where you want to live. Wear what you want to wear. But if Jesus puts his finger on it and he says, you got to give it to me, you better give it to him. This got in the way. It wasn't that he had money. It's that money had him. And he was not willing to drop it. Jesus said, you got to drop it if you want to follow me. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it? How hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed. And they said that who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, with man, this is impossible. It's impossible. But not with God, because with God, all things are possible. Peter speaks up because Peter was, Peter had a big mouth. He was always putting his foot in his mouth, wasn't he? Think about all the bold claims that Peter, "Eh, everybody else fails to follow you, I'll follow you all the way to the end. He was always quick to talk, jumped out of the boat. I mean, he was just ricocheting off the walls, this guy. And Peter, Peter just like speaks for everybody. And he says, want you to know something, Jesus. We, we have left everything to follow you. Come and give me a pat. 
left everything. We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and, that, and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with, he says, because it's not all good, along with persecutions and the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This guy was a ruler. He's called the rich, young ruler. He's a ruler. I don't know, was he a king? He's a ruler. He had all the things we've talked about. He had status. He had success. He had influence. He had wealth. He had everything money could buy. He had position in society. By giving up his wealth, he would also be letting go of these perks that came along with being rich. So Jesus wasn't just asking him to lay down his wealth. He was saying there's some other things that need to go too because these things are connected to your wealth. Then come follow me, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who gave it all. (laughs) The one who gave it all. The one that just doesn't come to you and me and say, would you give it all? He gave it all. (laughs) He modeled what giving it all looks like. And now he says to us, would you lay it down? Would you come follow me? The reward is great. The treasure is unbelievable. It's going to blow your mind. This guy was rich in the finance department, very, very poor in the faith department. How true is that about us, church? Rich, (laughs) when it comes to material goods, being secure, got to make sure that everything's ready for my retirement. You know? I got into a little debate with my kids the other day. I don't ever talk politics with your family, you know? We were just like, I, I said, politics, there's a lot of things in this house that are just off limit. I'm not even going to talk to you anymore about politics. But I, I, got, I got trapped, and I went there. I shouldn't have went there, but I went there. I'm like, well, I'm in now, so let's go. And then at the end, I said, you know what? This is what I'm worth, Dad. And I said, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to revisit the will and that you're going to get nothing. I'm giving all my money to this political group. <laughs> But we want to make sure that there's a cushion. We want to make sure that we're going to be comfortable, that we're going to be okay. And that's the problem in our church at times. We get just so comfortable, right? Get so comfortable. He's calling us out of the comfort zone. He didn't call us to comfort, to a life of comfort and complacency, apathy. He's called us to commit, to commit ourselves. I'm not just committed to this thing. I'm committed to a king. And being committed to a king means that I commit everything. I submit myself. I give myself wholly to him. It's cliche, but I'll say it anyhow. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He's got to be Lord of everything in our lives. Are you seeing this? I mean, Jesus gave up everything to be with us. 
He gave up his position. He was seated at the right hand of the Father. And he came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. He laid it all down. Not, did he, not only did he just lay that all down, but then he laid his life down so that we could be in right relationship. Number two, there's more to life than our possessions. In our culture, what we have acquired in our lives speaks to how successful we have become. I love that bumper sticker. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. No, whoever dies with the most toys dies. Because <laughs> we're all gonna, we're all gonna, our number's gonna be called at some point. And we don't take anything with us. But three quick thoughts for you. Number one is this. Everything we have belongs to God. If you're taking notes today, everything that we have belongs to God. I'm sitting on the deck where I live is 1355 Willow. That does not belong to me. That house belongs to God. It's God's house. It's going to be used for God's purposes. It's God's. Not mine, it's God's. Never going to pay it off. The bank owns it right now. It's God's. We've been given this gift to use as a blessing to other people, right? Everything we have belongs to God. The quicker you can get to that place in your life where you realize that everything you have, everything you've been blessed with is God's. That includes your kids. And your kids in this season might not be a blessing, but they're from God. They're God's. I'm leasing my kids. I don't own them. Leasing them. <clears throat> they're God's. Number two, everything that we have will not come with us when we die. Naked I came, naked I go. Dust to dust. <clears throat> and number three, everything that we have was accomplished and acquired because of God's strength at work in our lives. Because it says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. You didn't get your job. God gave you your job. That's a blessing from God. You didn't build up your career and your, you know, your network. It's all, it's all from God. It all belongs to God. Rick Warren in his Purpose Driven Life book years ago, I remember those words. You were made by God. You were made for God and for His purposes. It all belongs to God. Nothing comes with us when we go. Everything that's been accomplished and acquired is because of God's strength working in our lives. So let me close with this thought. <clears throat> Luke 12, 13, 13 through 21 Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, I want you to tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, <laughs> who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? He said to them, Watch out. I want you to be on your guard against all kinds of greed. This is a huge, a huge word from Jesus right to us today. He says this word to these people, to this, to this guy. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's worth repeating, right? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told this parable 
to help his listeners understand. He said, the ground of a certain rich man, of a certain rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. This guy thinks to himself, what am I going to do? I need a place to store my crops. Hmm, this is what I'm going to do. I got it. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very This very night, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you have prepared for yourself? He was in an argument with his kids too, so it wasn't going to be his kids. (laughs) This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You know what it says in 1 John 3, 17? If anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in this person? Matthew 6 also tells us, 19 through 21, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. No. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Everybody look at everybody walking up on the stage. It's okay. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This rich young man, his treasure, his wealth, that's where his heart was, clearly. His heart wasn't in following Jesus. This guy that decided to knock down his barns so he could build bigger ones, store more. It was all about surplus. It was all about gain. It was all about security. It's all about just playing it safe. I'm not going to take any risks. I'm going to make sure that when I'm ready to retire, that I'm going to be comfortable. And that's the problem. We treat ourselves like we're, like this is home. We're just aliens and strangers passing through. We're just at the bus stop. This isn't the final stop. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then the last thing, it's real quick. There is more to life than privilege and pleasure. And Moses, and Moses tells us early on, I don't know if it was in Exodus, he tells us that he was one of the most humble people on the planet. I thought that was kind of cool that somebody that was humble says, I'm humble. (laughs) We'll be humble about it. I'm the most humble person around. But Moses... I don't know if you know much about Moses and his upbringing. But in Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 through 26, 
it tells us, again, we see how important faith is, right? Humility, confession, faith, fasting, all these disciplines, simplicity, submission. It tells us that by faith, when he had grown up, he refused. (laughs) He refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Refused. He would not identify himself as her daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting, look at this, the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. For where your heart is, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He was looking ahead. He was looking at a different reward. That's where his eyes were. 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away. Pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. What good is it, Mark 8.36? What good is it if you gain the whole world and yet forfeit yourself? He was a king who didn't act like a king. But clearly, as we look at his life, teaches us the value of these disciplines, submission and simplicity. As we close our service, I've asked Pastor Gordon to come and do a benediction. May our hearts, may our hearts be in the right place today as we desire to be all that Christ has called us to.